Welcome to Main Street Matters by Heart on Main Street, the podcast that is dedicated to helping the independent retail community, sharing their stories and providing tips on how to grow your business and thrive within your local community. I'm your host, Patrick Kaiser. If you'd like to support this show or the organization Heart on Main Street, you can go to heartonmainstreet.org. We don't have any merch or anything, but know that all donations to Heart on Main Street go back to independent retailers to either help them recover from natural disasters or to help them invest back into their business. And those donations are tax deductible. Plus, on top of that, I'll write you a nice little thank you note. So you'll get some mail that isn't a a bill or an advertisement. In today's episode, we're going to hear from a few different retailers that I've had the pleasure of interacting with over the past few months. The first of these are the owners of the Green Apple in Rolling Fork, Mississippi. At the end of March, Rolling Fork was hit by a devastating tornado that turned the town upside down overnight. The Green Apple has been a staple in Rolling Fork, and the loss of the store was hard for the community, especially since this was the second time in the last about five years that the stores had to rebuild. As a part of Hard on Main Street's disaster relief efforts, we paid a visit to the Green Apple to provide a donation to their recovery and to help get the store back open. What we saw when we visited was truly heartbreaking. Houses were blown apart, gigantic trees were toppled over, the green apple was reduced to literally a concrete slab. Over the following few months since we went to Rolling Fork, a ton of progress has been made. So I was excited to catch up with the owners, Lacey and Amanda, to hear about what has happened since we were there. Enjoy! I am here with Lacey Hankins and Amanda Rutherford, owners of Green Apple Florist in Rolling Fork, Mississippi. Uh, thank you guys so much for joining today. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you all had a pretty pretty traumatic march. Um, I, I hate to kind of ask you to, to recap our your story, but uh, if you wouldn't mind just kind of telling our our listeners, you know, where uh, what what happened with with Green Apple and, and a little bit about your story. Um, Basically, um, we kind of knew weather was coming in bad that day. Um, And like everything else, everybody kind of played it off like it wasn't going to be a big deal. Um, We actually had prom that night. I wasn't actually in town. We were about 20 minutes away. Um, Actually didn't even rain where we were. Um, But other than that, you know, when we found out about it, when the tornado hit at what, 8.04? Um, we were actually 20 minutes away like I said and we just thought it had touched down in different places like different buildings had been hit nobody really knew so we tried to continue with prom we thought you know a house here a truck was turned over there and until I think we started realizing the phone call started coming in that it was a lot worse than it was Um, Lacey actually came into town she saw a lot more than I did um, but it was a lot worse than just touching down here and there. Buildings, homes, I mean. I was headed to town before I ever even knew that the store was gone. Amanda had called me. Yeah, I mean, like I said, we didn't even know the store was gone. I never thought about it because where where we're located, there's buildings and homes and more businesses past 61, and they got hit, and so we just thought, oh, well, our store's fine until – my son actually got a text from one of his friends that said, you know, the green apple's gone. 
Wow. Still didn't know the extent of it until Saturday morning. Didn't know how bad it was. You know, when you say your store's gone, is it the roof gone or four walls gone? And we had a slab. You never can prepare yourself for that moment. No. Yeah. I mean, yeah, when I went down there in May, I mean, it was it it was devastating. I mean, it, it really was yeah. to see the destruction of the town. I mean, and it the store was truly it was, it was a slab. Um, it was yeah. it was just a, a piece of concrete and kind of hard to find where the location was, which is yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, just you never think of just like how devastating this can be and how how powerful the storm can be. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was so bad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So where are you now? What's been going on since uh, since late uh, late March? A lot, a lot, <laughs> a lot. Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's lot. a lot. I'll let you tell. Um, we've start we started building what? Um, uh, y'all were still the slab was still there. I think like the end of May, early June, they started. They had poured the concrete. That we added. They started. They started probably early June. So they started building, and right last week we had the electricity turned on. So that was a yeah. So we have light. All right. Light. And um, <laughs> they are sanding the floor right now, getting ready for flooring to go down. So we've come a long way. Yeah. That's Still amazing. have a long ways to go. Some days are definitely harder than yeah. others, but <laughs> we're getting there. Yeah. When uh, do they give you a time or kind of an estimate of when you can reopen or? I'm hoping about six weeks. Okay. Open. They have three pretty major things left, but, you know, in our mind, I'm thinking, oh, you can do that in a month, but. But we're the only business close to opening. We'll probably be the first business in town to open. Yeah. And houses are coming up everywhere. Yeah. We have three. The street behind us is. We have houses. Four beautiful houses coming up behind us. Fabulous houses. Work's beginning. Yeah. Work's beginning. Yeah. Which is amazing to hear that. I mean, to give the houses back up, to have stores coming back. What has that process of rebuilding been like? I mean, there was a little bit of kind of gap in between. Um, The month of July, nothing happened pretty much. Which, you know, I mean, it's it's extremely hot here. And I don't think that had anything to do with it. It was just not a whole lot happened. It kind of stalled out. But between August and now they've they've really worked Mm -hmm. and there's several other businesses um I know y'all had probably seen Chuck's the restaurant that was there it's they're getting their concrete board today the um two other buildings have gone up there it's 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 coming it's just slow was Chuck's the restaurant yeah Yeah. (laughs) we're we're working out of a tiny tiny building right now but But, we're making it work yeah, I, when we were there, he said, "Give us four walls and, and a roof, and we'll yeah. be able to we'll, we're able to open right back up." But yeah, uh, yep. so you have been working out of a, a small a small business there. We have. Yeah. We've been delivering flowers. I actually, delivered some today. We've sad to say we've done a couple of funerals, but we have done some. So it's yeah. trying to get back to a little bit of normalcy. And you'd mentioned Chuck's. Was that the restaurant where everyone kind of had to huddle in the cooler? And yes. uh, that was kind of the one part of the building that didn't. Yes. Uh, yeah. Uh, their wow. um, metal their metal building got delivered today and they were pouring concrete. So, Good. So hopefully in the next couple of weeks, they'll have a frame built. So. And they've been cooking out of a extremely small trailer in this heat. So they've been doing a lot. I'm amazed by just kind of the 
perseverance that a lot of yeah. i mean trailers and food trucks and kind of everyone just kind of working out of whatever yeah. they can keeping things up um which is yeah. incredible yeah. now heart of main street we did make a uh, a donation to to green apple um what has that gone towards how has that helped you all uh really get back going we've had several people including y'all help um yeah. with donations and they've helped Tremendously. Yes. Yeah. Just, we just, with, just with rebuilding, just general expenses of rebuilding. We just got through doing another um, online auction that's going to help us kind of um, get our displays to help be able to rebuild or to get displays shipped yeah. and things like that. But every, every little bit has helped and it's been extremely appreciated, extremely. Well, I'm certainly glad we were able to uh, to help out and you know do something to be able to to get you all going again and and help rebuild. Uh, I know yeah, it's probably hard to kind of count you know what did what go where and what what yeah, what, yeah it was just everything needed to be rebuilt. So to our walls for sure. Yeah, <laughs> our walls <laughs> and mostly hope too. Yeah. We, we needed the little push that y'all gave us, so we greatly appreciate. Yeah, it. absolutely. Well, we're proud to be able to to help out and, and i know you guys got some great things going on and uh i can't wait to see six weeks the grand opening and uh, getting everything okay, going so again hopefully when yeah. we talk again we'll get to see the inside the yeah we'll be I in the store yes i would absolutely <laughs> love that our goal yeah <laughs> well thank you guys so much for for giving up a, a little recap update and again i wish you all the best of luck going forward and i can't wait to to see everything reopened and, and get you guys back in business thank you thank you so much thank you it is so inspiring to hear how the town is rebuilding and how green apple is really at the center of this rebuild Heart on Main Street has also assisted another business in Rolling Fork called EJ's Cafe. I hope to bring you their story of resilience in a future podcast. Both the Green Apple and EJ's Cafe have overcome so much in such a short period of time, thanks to their community really rallying behind them. In our stories from the road too, I talked about my visit to Kirkwood, Missouri. I still think about how the retailers of this town really got behind the idea of our Main Street Monday and were constantly referring me to other locations to explore and to feature on our trip. One of these locations was Christopher's Gifts and its sister store, Mark Anthony's Gifts and Spa. I had the opportunity to sit down with the owner of these stores, Mark Coulter, to discuss retail ownership, adapting during the pandemic, and what makes Kirkwood a special place. Well, thank you, Mark, so much for joining today. Uh, I appreciate you, you being on. Uh, Mark Coulter is the owner of Christopher's Gifts as well as Mark Anthony's Gifts and Spa in Kirkwood, Missouri. I visited Kirkwood about two months ago, and I absolutely loved the town. I thought it was so cool and unique. Uh, a lot of great retail there. So I really appreciate you you joining today. Yes, thank you, Patrick. So how long have you owned your stores? So I have had Christopher's now for eight years. Um, I purchased it at year 20 of um, small retail being open. Um, Christopher's doors have been open now for 28 years. So for a small retail boutique, I say that is a, a generous amount of time. Absolutely. And we have been blessed with our amazing guest. I always say if it wasn't for the guest, we would not be where we are today. Um, keep on thriving, growing, and keeping that positivity 
um, in our lovely communities. Yeah. I mean, almost 30 years is, you know, fairly unique for, for an independent retail store. So uh, it's amazing for the 20 years before and in the eight years that you've captained. Yeah. yeah. Um, why did you want to get into owning retail stores? So was it um, something you've always had a passion for? Was it something you kind of backed into? What What's your story? Backed into, I would say, yeah, I always say when you least expect things, um, always been business driven, I should say. In this sense, um, we've had family businesses and um, come from a background of distribution. Um, so I started um, with our family business in wholesale distribution um, when I was probably seven to eight years old. Together, um, <laughs> laminate sample boards. We yeah. were the Midwest distributor for Wilson Art and for Michael Laminates um, in the Midwest. I then, of course, as the family go to college, you know, get that education that is amazing, um, but I always say it's about the experience that you create. And if you create the have the experience and create the experience, you should be golden. But um, I went to college in fashion merchandising, started off in Florida, then came back to hometown St. Louis and got my degree in fashion merchandising. Once again, my internship was with Christopher's. Okay. So it started in 2011 that I interned with Christopher, founder of Christopher's, and then purchased it um, in 2015. Um, we had that uh, acquisition. That's amazing to really kind of start off as an internship there and really grow into now the owner of the store. That's kind of yeah. Uh, yeah, a really great story. Yeah, yeah. And so I was literally in one of our uh, meetings at our distribution company, and I stepped out and took a call from Chris, and I was on the top three of his list. And I said, hey, <laughs> no, I'm on top three of that list. But uh, it was always a joke. And then we eventually, um, after probably a year and a half of analytics and all that and talking, we then final, finalized the deal. Um, it was the 3rd of January, 2016. Okay. That was the mine, so. Yeah, that's amazing. And uh, yeah, eight years of your ownership. So that, that's incredible that you're able to, to really grow the store. Yeah, and what I'm proud to say is all of our staff, um, besides two um, people have stayed on board and we've grown that now. We have 32, um, maybe 33 employees um, across the board from all stores, operations, marketing, and all that um, to make everything run efficiently and well. Yeah. Wow. So why Kirkwood? I, you know, it is a great and unique town. Uh, what really kind of, and you said you were from, from St. Louis area, but what yeah. really kind of drew you to, to, to Kirkwood? You know, Kirkwood, it's a center. I say it's a center of um, a good center of St. Louis. Um, it has all mixes of life. Um, I always say I want the customer that um, has, even if it's a homeless person, that might only need a bar of soap if it's the most wealthy. Um, I want all of that customer base um, to be welcomed um, and in our store and may have a feeling of the best. Um, and really, it's funny saying this, have that feeling why we're in Kirkwood to make sure our our vision and our marketing always aligns very closely with that. And we had a new slogan that we have learned about our companies, be kind, gift kindly. Um, that really just says about life. If you can't be kind in life, then don't do anything. You know, first yeah. be kind. Um, even if it's your worst day, be kind. And it's really in the past year taken off hugely. Um, with another endeavor we went into called STL Gift, so St. Louis Gift. Yeah. We have other markets that we can establish eventually, but starting in St. Louis, of course, for Kirkwood. Um, we started in Kirkwood, but now we're all through St. Louis with gifting, 
and then just growing from there that we ship out our e-commerce platform since the lovely C word COVID, we ship out all throughout the U.S. Um, daily. That's amazing to, to really grow like that. And, you know, being kind is kind of a theme that I got in Kirkwood of just different uh, stores, what they're doing, kind of their missions behind. So um, that fit so well into uh, into just the, the atmosphere of the town to really be kind to each other and to, yeah. to help each other out. Kind of like your background that you have um, in this uh, meeting is, you know, it's kind of that Kirkwood, it's that downtown small vibe. Um, we were just actually, my partner and I were in Nashville last weekend, and it used to be a small little quaint town. And now it's, you know, something much larger that Kirkwood is still small. And to say that, that's huge. It's small, but it has a big feeling in certain ways. And that's where I think Kirkwood really aligns with retail, with eating, drinking, and all those things. Um, but still that good Midwest vibe. Absolutely. Yeah. It does have just a, a good hometown feeling to it, and which is really attractive, which makes, uh, I think, reason to have independent retail there, reason for people to come to the town. Yes. So owning retail can be very, very tough. And I'm sure you probably didn't know how tough until you really got into it. What were some of the biggest learnings that you've had, um, Some maybe some of the challenges that you've had since, uh, since taking over uh, Christopher's and opening up Mark Anthony's? You know, I'd say, um, we'll start with Christopher's first. Um, Christopher's, it was that it was a well-oiled machine, I always say, sure. um, that Christopher, the founder, did a fabulous job at what he did. Obviously, I wouldn't have been around for 20 years. <laughs> um, it all goes to our guest. Our guest are truly what make it easy because of our inventory. It turns it. Are there certain slow movers? Absolutely. That's just the beast of retail. Um, and and goods, cost of goods. But um, at the end of the day, it's our guest retention that we keep at a high high level. And we do that through marketing. We do that through many other aspects. But I think our guests have made it easy. The most challenging has been making sure to retain that guest and make an experience. Um, always, not to say it's hard, but how can you change? The biggest struggle, as I say, as I get older, as I look at uh, personal life into business is the word change. And if you don't change, guess what? You won't be around in today's yep. world. And, um, you know, to keep that change balanced, because uh, you can put a lot of cost into change, you can do many things, but just so you keep that balanced, um, you should be good. And that's one thing I've always strived for as I get older. Now at 36 years old, I realize, oh God, here's another change. I'm like, nope, it's all good. Think positive. Um, I've been very fortunate in my life to say I've never been a negative person, um, always positive. And the day I'm negative is the day I'm out, um, the day I don't deserve to be in this seat and it's time for Mark to retire. So um, bringing in certain people in our philosophy, I always say by 40, I want to be partially retired is the goal. Um, by 50, I better be on a boat somewhere. And, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I think it just it just goes into that big word. The biggest thing is change. One thing, obviously, that uh, initiated that that we were all very comfortable in our lives and everything was before COVID. Yeah. It was life, life was um, different. It was easier. Um, you didn't have to change as much. You didn't have no. to, you know, and then when everyone stayed in a, in a seat and didn't get up and move because of that word, you know, and scare, and many people had, obviously, um, we, we didn't change as much. And then we had to change. Um, we had to go to e-commerce. We never, my mother, uh, very wise mind, always said, you know, you got to get on the internet. You got to, I'm like, no, they come to us for the experience. And that being said, well, the experience changed online and now it's in store, but then online as well. 
Um, we try to keep that healthy balance always very um, influential in our business uh, model and structure. I think that's, I mean, change has just been the name of the game recently. And so many retailers have gotten into e-commerce and really growing their their presence out through uh, through social media or through their website. And it sounds like you have grown really kind of being able to sell all throughout St. Louis, which is incredible. Um, I mean, would your, would, what would you say kind of is one of your biggest successes? It sounds almost like that ability to change through COVID um, sounds like it was, a, it was a major success for you. Yes, I think our operations, our staffing, um, just different operational processes we had to put into place due to it, mm-hmm. uh, and then go back to somewhat of normalcy, and now we're back to normal, but then we had to realign some business structures to make sure they always align with, um, you know, the bottom line to make sure that we are healthy, to make sure we can keep growing um, and all those things with many meetings um, that I tried to keep um, now my new structure for this year is 30 minutes, max 45, and that's it. Yeah. Um, but uh, after that, there's can always be another one. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Have that follow up, but uh, being able to you know, have those operations and make sure things are, are running smoothly, especially as you're growing. That, that's That's great. Yeah, if you don't mind me asking, what would you say is one change? I'll put a question back in here, see Patrick. What do you see as one change and struggle that you've heard across many um, meetings and interviews you've had? Yeah, um, so I, I do think the ability to view their business uh, for independent retailers to view their business different. Um, you had touched on the point of that it had just been people are coming to me. People can come to me. I don't really have to. Um, I, I have my presence in my downtown. I'm right on Main Street. I you can advertise myself a little bit, but then it became this: well, if I can't come and get people to come into my store, what do I need to do in order to make myself grow and in order to keep that same experience for people? So um, the development of social media commerce, um, having an e-commerce site, I think that has just been radical change for for independent retailers and those that have really taken advantage of it and continued to take advantage of it you know there's that kind of period where some people did it but then once their store opened back up they they got rid of it they didn't want to do that anymore um but those that have continued to stay with that concept i think have seen really great success and that they are able to reach people outside of their town um they're able to you were saying you can uh, sell all throughout St. Louis. People don't have to come to you. Um, but you know, other seeing others that are, you know, their way that they're reaching people really nationwide is is incredible too. So um I'd say, yeah, just the ability to to reach people and do think about their business differently uh than what they were in the past has has easily been the biggest change. Very interesting. Yeah. No, thank you. Yeah, no, that's, and you're right on. I mean, that's uh, what you're doing with your business is, um, is, you know, has been successful. So, um, now I, one thing I noticed when I was in Kirkwood is that the town seemed to do a lot to help support their independent retailers. And I do feel that goes a lot into the success of helping out the town. What are some things that you've seen that that Kirkwood does to really foster um, uh, tourism or really bring people into to Kirkwood to, to support their independent retailers? Yes, I think one thing that Kirkwood's known for as well, we have a train, um, the yeah. train that comes through, goes to Chicago, um, goes to Kansas City. Um, it's a great thing in that 
we have that um, cyclone population coming in and out um, and known you know, for many years as Kirkwood, the Kirkwood train station. We have many um, items that have the Kirkwood philosophy and train station in that. Um, I think Kirkwood itself, the history behind it and how it has grown and kept clean, the mm. streets, the, um, you know, the affluent um, building that has taken place, there's condos still being built today that are not just, you know, a $100,000 condo, they are one to maybe two yeah. uh, million. And so, you know, uh, those things definitely help. Um, and I think it just, it keeps on growing. It keeps on staying clean, but growing the downtown small business district um, does a fabulous job with many things in the regards with events. Um, we just had a sidewalk sale every year. We, I say fortunately, but unfortunately, uh, are the largest sidewalk sale this year. Um, you know, not many stores can say on a clearance day, they do 60 to $70,000 in one day, <laughs> um, but we have a lot of inventory. So yeah. that's always that balance and restructuring how yeah. do we keep that inventory level at a, at a clean slate. That's our biggest thing since COVID, I would say is a struggle as well. Going back to um, ADD, making sure that that inventory is healthy. Um, that is the biggest thing in retail 101, just any business of wholesale distribution to retail, what is your inventory level? And if you have way, way too much, it could eat you alive. We keep that balance right now with our sidewalk. Think, gosh, we have that every year. It yeah. clears out that inventory. And so now here we are at our holiday. Our inventory is raising drastically and then it sells through. So that's amazing. Yeah, that's, yeah. Being able to balance that is, I mean, so important for the business and um, knowing your financial plan, knowing you're open to buy as you're going into things. I mean, that is incredibly important to running the business well. Yes. Um, yeah, because as you said, yeah, too much inventory can eat you alive, especially if, it, if it's not selling. So. Yes. And I think Kirkwood, going back to the Kirkwood, they, you know, they have these events, but it helps with marketing in itself. Yeah. It helps with community and it helps really grow our brands each and every day because people hear about it and they come in from out of town yeah. to go to this event in Kirkwood. Um, we have a wine walk that'll be in this holiday. First year it started about three years ago, I believe, and two after COVID. And oh my, um, it was very busy. And then we they increased the limit of ticket holders and it goes back to charity. So it just kind of a whole community thing of um, keeping the community strong, charitable, and all of that. Yeah. And I mean, I can imagine that having those events and having them consistently and every year, you know, there's going to be a sidewalk sale that's going to bring people in and you, you can do the business that you were talking about and making that money off of off of sale items yes. um, and, and, you know, a wine walk that, you know, things like that bring people in. And if the whole area is participating in it, everyone is going to be successful. So true. Yeah. Yep. Uh, my last question for you, you know, there are so many people that dream of getting into owning retail. What would be some advice that you would give a, a newcomer, someone that is wanting to start off their business or just starting out uh, owning a retail business? What would be some advice that you would have for them? Yes. Um, it's funny. I had a friend that, um, you know, always wants to own her own shop, but everything I said, you, you go do that, especially after COVID. Um, I said, you know, Number one, um, I don't care what how small or big the store might be, you better have a million in the bank. Um, you better make sure you are financially um, able, willing, and at the end of the day, to give it your all. Um, you know, people always say that restaurants are a challenge, um, and I disagree. 
in the total sense, I say business is a challenge. I don't care what you're in, unless if it's something with social media and you know you can be at a desk and just focus on that. Still, in that token, there's a challenge of getting out to your to your target markets and you know cost of advertising, all that. Any business is a challenge. Retail, you can just in life, you can make it hard or you can make it simple. And the more processes you put in place to keep life simple. How do you keep life simple? Retail, it can be simple and it can be hard. We are, I'd say, a medium balance. Um, during holiday, it can definitely be harder with all the inventory, but um, you, have hours. To love, you have to love to shop. You have to love people. Um, you have to be a driver in sales and you have to just you know love life. And if you don't love life and love what you do every day, then don't do it. The first step is ask yourself, what do you truly want? What makes your, when you put your two feet on the ground every morning, what makes your heart, your soul, make sure that I want to freaking do this. I don't want to just, you know, sit here and be on a computer. Do you want to be in front of people? Do you want to, um, you know, what, what thrives you every day? And I always, um, from the young child, um, I, I have a funny story that I always drove a lawnmower in my parents' yard. <laughs> I'd act like, what do I want to do in life? You know, because um, my mom would never allow me to have other um, unsafe things. So she put me on a lawnmower, which I'm like, with a blade? That might not be safe. <laughs> but, uh, long story short, um, you know, you have to make sure you're whole in that everything you want to do. And that's what you want to do. Never would have a million years, but I've thought retail when I saw the business and I love to shop. That's sometimes an issue when I go to Chicago. But, um, you know, you, you like what you do and then everything else falls in there after there. Um, but yeah, I'd say that's number one is, you know, have that outlook, uh, make sure the backing and the financial aspect aligns. Um, and then your whole business plan, starting with the concept, the marketing, um, the financial, um, all those things align. I've always, we have a group of advisors that we use um, from family um, and whatnot, and they always um, have their core philosophies of, you know, usually an existing business you want to purchase, starting up new, not always the best. Um, funny enough, with Mark Anthony's, we started that new. It was new, but already there, and it was an existing store that's been there for over, uh, it was eight, eight years, it was there, called Fun Sun. We took over that space because the person got tired. Um and they wanted to move on to other things in life with children and all that. And so we took over the space and doubled the square footage. And today, here we are, even after COVID going on year three, we'll be completing. And that says something. So obviously after the five years, we're golden. So we have two yeah. more two more years left to make it and make it stronger and keep on growing. And obviously, thank the Lord, it keeps growing. Um, and it just aligns with Christopher's um, Christopher's overall morals and philosophies, but then making sure that we keep um, it different. So they have a different experience when they go there. More funny, quirky, um, inappropriate things like Mark Anthony sometimes. Yeah. Um, and just laughing every second of the day because life is so short. Yeah. I love that. And that's, uh, I mean, so many good takeaways from there. I mean, just, it it is a business. It, this is not just something that you do for fun that you open up your store. And yeah. um, it is a, a business that you're going to have to run and really pay attention to. And it needs to be that passion that you have, that you want to um, interact with product. You want to interact with your your customers, uh, that you want to really build something. And uh, yeah, taking over a space that people already know about um, is a great way of, of having having that success. Yeah. yeah, Mark, thank you so much for joining today. I thank really you. appreciate it. A lot of great insights and I've uh, loved speaking with you. So thank you. Well, thank you, Patrick.
Mark is a really successful business owner who's been involved with retail at all points of his life. It is really interesting to hear from him about two different experiences he's had in retail ownership, taking over from an existing building and starting one from scratch. In Stories from the Road 3, I spoke about visiting St. Joseph, Michigan in the lovely beach town Main Street that exists there. This area, as I mentioned, is a little bit more touristy. But this only encompasses a small part of St. Joseph. Not all people who live in St. Joe's are tourists, after all. I was able to sit down with Lisa Miller, the owner of Forever Clean Soap Works in St. Joseph. Lisa's created a very successful independent retail store not on Main Street. We talked about why she wanted to create her business and how she's been able to thrive away from the main strip. I'm here with Lisa Miller, the owner of Forever Clean Soapworks in St. Joseph, Missouri. Uh, Lisa, thank you so much for for being with me today. Uh, Such a unique store and very cool and fun and vibrant. How long have you owned Forever Clean Soapworks? I have had a storefront for nine years as of the 4th or the 5th of July, Um, but I've been doing this for many years longer than that. Wow. Nine years is a long time. Congratulations. What was the inspiration behind starting Forever Clean and opening up your own store? Well, many years ago, I was tired of uh, using products that wreaked havoc on my skin. Um, and I decided that I wanted something better for me and my kids. So I started making it myself. And I liked it. <laughs> you know, it's, it's much better than what you can find out there. So over the years, I would make it for family and friends. And let's see, 11 years ago, I think it was, I did a pop-up shop in downtown South Bend and everyone said, you really need a store, because I did the pop-up shop over, it was three months, it was or two months, it was over Christmas, and it was incredible. It, it, I did so well at that pop-up shop that I had no problem getting an SBA loan, because they saw what I made in two months, and they're like, yeah, go for it. <laughs> so I looked for a store, and... Nine years ago? Yeah, nine years ago, I found my first store, and then I ended up moving a year later to a better location, and I was there almost five years, and then I moved to St. Joe four years ago. So where was the original store? In Niles, like 20 miles from here. Okay, so it sounds like you were able to work with the SBA fairly easily because you had the pop-up and a proof of concept. But what was the process like to find the space that you're currently in and a a home for Forever Clean? Well, it was mostly just finding uh, something that I could afford and something that was not too far. I live in South Bend, so I wanted something that wasn't too far from where I lived, which it was only 10 minutes away. And Niles was kind of in between South Bend and St. Joe, so I thought it'd be a nice area, um, which it turned out to not be the best area, which is why I'm back up in St. Joe. I grew up in St. Joe. I know St. Joe better than I knew Niles. <laughs> I came back to St. Joe. <laughs> St. Joe has such a, a lovely downtown area, but you're not located in the downtown. Tell me about how that works into your business strategy. Yeah, and I have the local customers 
all winter. So, you know, and I know the people around here. I know how they shop and who they are and all that good stuff. So I get the locals where downtown doesn't get any locals in the summer. <laughs> yeah, local people will not go downtown in the, in the summer. <laughs> it's very rare. So, you know, I kind of have the opposite issue. I don't get the tourists as much, but I get the local people and then I get the local people all winter too. So So it's really allowed you to have a year round business. Yeah, yeah. And I have a parking lot. So (laughs) it's a lot easier to come over here and find a place to park. Absolutely. And that is great for business too. So let's talk about your soaps. You said you wanted to create something that was better for you and for your kids. Have you ever done anything like this before, creating soaps, or was this brand new to you? Yeah, it, it, I did not make soaps before, but I'm a crazy reader. I read everything, okay. and I have yeah. always been into natural remedies and herbs and holistic products. Um, my whole life, I've always been that way. So just started researching, and let's try this. And let's try that. And I just started making stuff because I wanted to try it. And it just kind of evolved. And now I make so many things because <laughs> I just, it keeps evolving. So Yeah, I was looking at your site. You have so many different things. Soaps, bath bombs, bath bomb donuts, which sound delicious. Um, so many things. I don't have everything on my website that I have in my store. Uh, because there are some things that I don't make a lot of, so I don't put it on my website. And some, like in the summertime, there's some things I can't ship because they melt. Yeah, so some things I just don't put on there at the moment, and then in the wintertime I bring them back. But, oh, gosh, I I make men's products, uh, beard oils and beard balms and shaving soaps and, yeah, all kinds of stuff. Yeah, and I do custom items for Peter people I have so many customers that buy they'll buy in bulk from me because I have a, a deal you know if you buy so many bars of soap without it being packaged you get a deal but I do stuff for people with allergies um, I have a woman from Niles Illinois who have been, who has been coming to me since I opened and she has an allergy to one of the ingredients and so I'd make special soap for her. I've been making soap for her for nine years she she came into Niles, Michigan because same name, whatever, they wanted to check it out, her and her mom, and they found me, and she asked about soap, and yeah, I've been making it for her that long, but I do that for people all the time. I just made specialty lotion for my massage therapist who has a customer that can't use coconut, and so I made a, a lotion for her to use for her customers that have allergies, so I do that all the time for people. Interesting. So that doesn't impact the efficacy of the product, the durability, the form of the bar or the lotion at all? No, I created all the all the recipes and all, everything in my store that, well, I make everything except I don't make the incense or the local honey, but I create <laughs> everything else and I've created all the recipes myself. So if someone has an allergy, it is so simple for me to go in and tweak that recipe with a different ingredient that will work just as well for them and make something for them. I have all the recipes that I've ever created. I have all of them and I can change up whatever I need to change up. Yeah. 
one thing I'm noticing while looking at your site is the amount of different scents that you have. So one question, how do you come up with the scents? How do you get those different combinations? And then everything seems to have its own color sequence, its own style to it. How do you create that or determine what style goes with what scent? Well, the fragrances. Let me let me just go to that right away. I have essential oils, and I, I buy as locally as I can. So my essential oils actually come from South Bend, from Liebermuth, okay. who has yeah. been around for over 100 years. And they have high-quality oils. And that's why I buy from them, because I buy in bulk. So my essential oils come from there. And then I have fragrance oils. Well, I am really picky about my fragrance oils because they can't have any phthalates, no parabens. They have to be the best of the fragrance oils because fragrance oil is a chemical, but it has to be the best. It can't have the stuff in there. You can't, you can't get what I buy at Michael's or, you know, one of the craft stores. So, like, my fragrance oils are almost as expensive as my essential oils because I buy the good stuff. You have to because people, they they realize that stuff affects their skin, and they'll say, well, I can't use something with a fragrance oil, and I'll give them a sample of mine, and they'll be like, oh, I can use yours. It makes a difference. It makes a huge difference. Now, the colors, my soap will be a different color or a different design every single time I make it. I will kind of stick with the same colors for, say, the Perfect Man soap. I stick with blues and a little bit of black and white. And it will have those colors in it every time, but it will never look the same. It will always be different. That's just the nature of making it. I could make something that may have a mold that I could do try and do the same pattern every time, but it's pretty much impossible. Um, I will stick with like my lavender soap will have the same color in it every time, um, but not the same pattern every time. It's always different. And that's what's fun about it. Have you gone on my Facebook page or anything, my Instagram? Yes, I've gone on your Facebook, Instagram, your website as well. I had two bars of soap on there that I asked everybody, what do you see? And everybody commented, well, I see a frog. I see this because <laughs> that pattern when I when I cut the soap and looked at it, it looked like a face in the soap. And so I posted that and I had so many comments across all the social media about what it could be. It looks like a frog. It looks like an alien. It looks like this. A little workshire test in there of what people were seeing. Yeah, it's crazy because every time I cut the soap, it's always different. And sometimes it doesn't turn out the way I thought it would. And sometimes it's better. So I never know. That does make it fun. Different designs, different looks, feel to it. It's not cut from the same prepackaged block all the time. And that was something I was really very taken by. They look handmade. They look unique. There's definitely a quality there. Yeah, and the thing is, is people say all the time, oh, it's too pretty to use. I'm like, no, it really isn't because I'll make another one for you. <laughs> I will. I'll make more. Come back but it will always be pretty. Yeah. <laughs> it'll uh, always be pretty and it'll always be something different that you yeah. don't find at Walmart. Yeah. When we were messaging, you were talking about the experience that your customers have. What is that experience for a, a new customer or even a repeat customer, the aromatherapy that goes on? 
Well, the first thing most people say when they walk in is, oh, it smells so good in here. I hear that nonstop all the time because it does. And people will say, I I could smell your store outside. People who like, oh, I can't go in candle stores because it's so overwhelming. But they come in here and they don't have that same problem because, like I said, it's the good stuff, you know. So it does affect you differently. But people say that all the time. They walk in, they're like, oh, I could just stay in here all day. Yeah, I know some people that do have that aversion to strong fragrances or candles, but your product doesn't cost that for anybody. No, no. Most people don't have an issue with it because it's they are different, you know. But yes, and I did have, I got to tell you this story. I had, occasionally I'll, I'll post that I have free boxes. People need moving boxes. They can come get them because I don't want to throw them out. And I had a guy come and pick up a bunch of boxes. And then he came back the next day and he said, my wife wants me to buy whatever that smell is that was on the boxes. <laughs> well, then you need one of everything in the store because it's a combination. <laughs> I can't just give you one thing. He says, she's not going to be happy about that. Well, so, yeah, because it's just a combination of all of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like when I go home, I smell like that. And people will say something to me in a store. You smell so good. Thank you. <laughs> It's just my store. It just smells that way. Well, I will definitely have to come back in and get all of the smells. Uh, You want to tell people when you're open and when they can come stop by Forever Clean? All right. I am open Tuesdays through Saturday, so usually I'm closed on Mondays. Well, Lisa, thank you so much for taking time to talk with me. Uh, I'm really a big fan of your product, your store, and really what you're doing in St. Joseph. So thank you so much. Okay. Well, thank you. That was Lisa Miller of Forever Clean Soapworks, someone who wanted to make a change within their community and went about doing it. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode and hearing from different retail owners across the country. If you're a retail owner and would like to talk about your business, you can email me at contact at heartonmainstreet.org. I'd love to learn about you and your stories and what's made you a great retailer and a presence within your community. You can also follow us on social media at Heart on Main Street on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and LinkedIn to keep up with the latest developments from our organization. Be sure to tune in every Monday to follow along with our Main Street Monday tours of different cities. This episode was written, produced, edited, researched, and hosted by me, Patrick Kaiser, with a special thanks to our guest, Amanda Rutherford, Lisa Hankins, Mark Coulter, and Lisa Miller. To find out more about our organization, visit heartonmainstreet.org or see the links in this episode's description. Thank you so much. Thank you.